This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupforthetruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. And I'm seeing some of the numbers that, uh, you know, Crash gets the podcast downloads and he sees how many people are listening online. He can tell where people are listening from. I'm so blessed that uh, we have an international audience and people from across the country. And uh, thank you for the downloads of the podcast. And I know you guys have to be sharing us on social media. I know it because uh, we've been shadow banned on Facebook for years. And uh, yet somehow the podcast is getting out there. And people are accessing our site, StandUpForTheTruth.com. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I also want to thank you guys who have uh, read my book, Canceling Christianity. Um, I don't know how God's doing it, but he is. Uh, he continues to have people go check it out and, and read it. And I'm getting good reviews on Amazon, and that helps, of course. So uh, if you have read it, go put a review or rate the book. You don't have to say much. Just say whatever. Just one brief sentence. So thank you, guys. God bless you for that and for your support. Father in heaven, thank you for this day, and thank you that, that you are at work, even though we don't see in the natural what's what you're doing at all times. We know that you're moving. We know that your Holy Spirit is always at work, and God, we just want to be a part of what you're doing. So please energize us today. Please give us um, encouragement Give us the information we need and, and, Lord, the passion we need to be ministers of reconciliation, to share the gospel, to speak the truth, even though it is offensive to so many today. And uh, now so much is coming against Christians. and uh, The opposition is increasing. Father, help us fear you and not fear man. We love you and we thank you for another day in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's guest can't wait to get to all the things we're going to discuss with Pastor Chris Quintana, Old Path Ministries. You can uh, get to his website. You can get to his videos on there, oldpaththeology.net. And uh, he's out of Texas, but he's in Wisconsin. Not in studio, though, but he'll be here for the Prophecy Conference tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday. Chris, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Well, thank you, David. It's great to hear your voice. I, uh, I'm glad to be along with you. Always enjoy the time. Yeah, so do we. We really do. Um, so let's start with, first of all, the rundown, the, the conference this weekend, starting tomorrow afternoon, Calvary Chapel in Appleton. J.D. Farag, Jim Fletcher, Tommy Ice, T.A. McMahon, Russ Miller, Jay Siegert, Andy Woods, who is our guest tomorrow, and Chris Quintana. So give us a little teaser about what you'll be sharing. A lot of our listeners are, are not from the area. Uh, so give us a little teaser of what you'll be sharing tomorrow at the Prophecy Conference, or tomorrow, or I guess uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Uh, is it Saturday? Uh, I actually have a spot tomorrow afternoon. Okay, tomorrow. So, the um, boy, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole premise for a Prophecy Conference is that we believe that God tells us about the days in which we live. And, um, you know, I think a year ago when all the COVID stuff was happening, we were looking at it kind of all scratching our heads thinking, what's this all about? And it's almost kind of humorous when you heard some of the things being said. But to me, it's not funny anymore. This stuff's getting really, it's, it's, it's becoming surreal, the things that we have, we see happening worldwide, but in our own country as well. So, um, my, the premise of my talk is 
the world that we don't recognize. Mm. So, you know, I don't care what, what part you want to look at, but things are changing radically. Yes. And uh, even the discourse between people, we're discussing things that were almost unimaginable before, yet the Bible tells us that the world's going to wrap up like that. Mm. Uh, Chris, give us a, a little idea on uh, some people, obviously, that have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, know exactly what you mean when you say a world we don't recognize, because, um, and, and part of the reason is a lot of people uh, don't recognize it is because we remember, even 50 years ago, those of us who are old enough, we remember what it used to look like, at least in the country and the world. And, of course, we know those who were actually taught true world history about communism, socialism, and everything that happened around the world. We really see a flip in worldviews in this, this opposition to biblical Christianity. We see Marxism exploding and, and uh, socialism, the the young people going for that hook, line, and sinker. So share with us a little bit more because our audience kind of gets it, but we're going to have to communicate with people and let them know what they're missing in a way, don't we? Sure. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, if anybody who knows me personally, especially in all my years pastoring and teaching the Bible, I am loath to quote secular sources when I'm ever teaching. And I don't really quote very many people at all. It's just not my not my way of doing things. But I, when I do this tomorrow, I'll have some direct quotations from the book 1984 written by George Orwell. And um, if anybody's got a copy of it, they ought to just look at the last basic, basically the last page of it. <laughs> and uh, the summary of what he says is that basically all of history gets rewritten. And he gives an example of what would happen if we were to look at the Declaration of Independence and how it would be rewritten. And it would be rewritten because it would have been considered a crime, a thought crime, um, or crime speak is what it's put. And, and instead, it would be replaced with something that was uh, bowing to the idea of an all-powerful government rather than we the people. Mm-hmm. So it's um, when, you, when you look at the book and, and you read it, you realize it's, it's meant to be fiction, but he's in his own mind you can tell what would have happened if the bad guys would have won World War II. Mm-hmm and how they would have controlled people. But I don't think most people recognize just how thorough the control of your every single day life has become in the last 18 months. Well, I think um, a lot of people are fighting back. I think it might be a little too late because of the ground we surrendered. And this goes back to a year ago, a year and a half ago, Chris, when the church in America um, allowed our government to deem us non-essential. If you were to ask most of us who have been in the faith, you as a pastor and, and the, the biblical Christians, in the last, maybe let's just go back 20 years, let's just let, make it easy, 10 years. Even 10 years ago, if you would ask most people, do you think we'd be at this place where the church would be almost inconsequential? I think most people say, of course not. The Church of Jesus Christ, non-essential, especially in America with our Constitution and religious freedoms, we probably would have laughed that off. But here we are. Uh, what are your thoughts on that angle? Well, as you know, it's incremental. It couldn't yes. have happened overnight. So um, the best way for that to happen is to make the church kind of, as you would say, inconsequential. But that's done because the people are not being instructed biblically. They're just being entertained. And Amen. Given Amen. So as a result of that, 
of course, when it comes around, make people afraid and let's just do church from home. How many churches don't even meet in person even after all of this time? Yes, a lot. Uh, too many. Sure. Um, that brings us to uh, the Family Research Council's uh, Center for Biblical Worldview, um, according to George Barna. Now, this, most of our listeners, again, I don't want to you know, preach to the choir, but we do have new listeners tuning in from time to time that have not been with us throughout the years exposing uh, false teachings, the emergent church, social justice, apostasy, and all these other things, isms that are coming into our, our churches, not just in our country. But uh, Barna did this research, and, and basically it, the bottom line is, out of American adults, 51% claim to have a biblical worldview. And I say this because you just brought up that very important point, because the church has not been taught biblically. And we can get into that maybe later as far as the difference between uh, um, topical sermons and, and going verse by verse. But only 6% of the adult population actually does, according to the definition of a biblical worldview, only 6% of adults in America. Chris, before you respond, other findings from that survey. 80% of born-again Christians claim to have a biblical worldview but only 19% have one. So just to differentiate, out of all adults in America that were surveyed, adults in America, 51 think they have a biblical worldview, only 6% do. And out of the church, born again, people that profess to be born again Christians who claim 80% of them claim one, but only 19% have one. Chris Quintana, help us dissect this problem. I'm curious, did they even put in that what their definition of, uh, of a worldview is? I'm sure it's in there. Yeah, I'm sure it's in there. Like Usually in the bottom they say, by the way, <laughs> Barna defines a de- biblical worldview as. I'm sure they do. But I don't think they, when they ask people, I don't. they just ask people to, uh, what do you think you are? And people say, well, I'm a, I'm a, I have a biblical worldview. And then they, sure. they can believe in abortion or maybe Jesus wasn't the, isn't the only way. Uh, Mormons are Christians. And you go on down the list. Uh, so, Chris, sure. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, again, depending on how they define the term, the easiest way for us to understand it, and if we want to just say practically what does a biblical worldview look like. Um, when you hold the Bible in your hand, what is, it, what is your perception of it? We want to call ourselves that, or literalists, or whatever you, know, you want to use as the term, would say it's authoritative, it's perfect, it's God uh, speaking directly to mankind, and so it's authority over every aspect of our life is covered in that scripture. So if our if our view of the world is formed is based solely upon the scripture, then it informs everything about how we live our lives and conduct ourselves. So the funny thing about it is how on earth could a person claim to have a biblical worldview and be born again and yet or a person be born again and not have a biblical worldview, if it wasn't for the Bible you wouldn't even know what born again means. Exactly. So that's just, it's almost, it's, it's counterintuitive, and it's absolutely, it's, it's kind of just, it, it, it's, it's completely out of phase to say that I'm born again, yet I don't have a biblical worldview. Those two things are completely incompatible. And uh, we're seeing more and more of this confusion in our culture today, because 
People they have so many different definitions of what it means to be a Christian. And, and that, again, Chris, what you said, I'm going to echo that, it falls on the church and, and our lack of teaching, thorough teaching and equipping the saints throughout the last several decades. Hey, uh, by the way, Chris is driving from—he's not personally driving. I hope, Chris, someone's driving you. But he's uh, between Madison, Wisconsin, and Appleton, Wisconsin, on his way to the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference. Uh, he flew up from Texas, then he's driving. So if you hear some background noise, he's in the car, just so you guys know if you're wondering— why, why, you know, what is, what is Chris doing? It doesn't sound like he's staying still. No, he's in the car. So, um, Chris, there's different definitions, and this goes back to people we, we meet, um, um, even on social media. Let's just use that as an example. If I want to open up this can of worms on so- social media and big tech, someone says they're a Christian, and you can just look at their page. You might see profanity. You might see a promotion of the Biden administration. You might see something pro-planned parenthood. You might see something about uh, Black Lives Matter and social justice, and they say they're Christian. And I only mentioned four things. So, Chris, there is so much confusion, um, and it's our job, in a way, to help cut through some of that and bring clarity but man, the, the, and, and the enemy, we know who the author of confusion is and the father of lies. So for the average Christian, uh, Chris Quintana, how do we cut through this and how do we start making an impact and getting some truth out there, maybe ha- giving people a better understanding of what it really is to be a Christian? You know, we should go with what is, what's baseline to belief as far as we're concerned. Uh, we can't say that, that uh, a Christian worldview, since we use that, is compatible with things like you've mentioned, abortion or alternative lifestyles or all the rest of that. Uh, the Bible has plenty to say on all of those topics. So the Bible doesn't have to conform to the culture. The, the Bible stands by itself. If the culture doesn't like it, then the culture is going to have to deal with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And they'll either do it here or they'll do it eternally. So as far as as I'm concerned, when I look at all the different, you know, hot-button political things that are going on around the world, um, or especially in the country, what I had mentioned and what you had mentioned, um, if it's a political thing, what's being promoted? And does God have an opinion on things like life and death, and (laughs) so matters of abortion, or what is an acceptable uh, relationship between between adults? Uh, We know that the Bible doesn't provide for uh, same-sex marriage and even relationships. So people are free to disagree with that. That's fine. They can disagree with it, but it's very difficult for a person to say, I'm a Christian as though in good standing, and yet believe things that are antithetical to Scripture and on their face absolutely argue against what the Word has to say in very plain, simple terms. Hmm. Um, we've got uh, about five minutes left in this segment, and I... I uh, out of the because there's so many topics we wanted to tackle today, Chris, in, including Afghanistan and uh, other things. Um, I just want to jump to the next one, which uh, we won't have time to completely cover in this in these five minutes. So we'll pick it up again. But it's what's coming against the church and Christians and regular American citizens who believe in religious freedom. Meaning, I don't want to take a shot in my arm. I don't want you to tell me what to do with my own body. My choice, my body. But anyway, uh, not to go down that that uh, road. But um, interesting how people are more openly coming out against those who are unvaccinated, or how they might put it, 
refusing to take the vaccination and get the shot because there's a divide in our country. And I just got um, something from Matt Staver and Liberty Council. They are flooded with emails and calls from people asking for help navigating one of the most difficult decisions in their lives. Taking this shot, saying no, some being fired from jobs, hospital workers, they've got an ultimatum. So I just want to share a couple quotes with you, Chris, and I'll get your insights on this because Christians are in these positions. Quote, during this process, I've been lied to, discriminated against, and humiliated by my employer. That's one quote. Another quote, I'm trying to submit a religious exemption our CFO is threatening to fire any of her employees who submit a religious exemption. Another one. Um, the company has already ruled that even the full-time virtual associates like me on Zoom still have to take the COVID injection or be terminated. End quote. And one more. My employer emailed that my rights and religious freedoms will not be honored. End quote. Chris, we're at a very dangerous time uh, in just this aspect in our country. Yeah, see, there, there you have. I'm, I really hope that people uh, take this if they, if that is their conviction, and it is mine personally. If I was put in that position, um, I would go ahead and play it to the very end and wait to be terminated, and then make it a, a, a matter of litigation mm. um, because that's wrongful termination. So uh, the the thing that's so interesting about this there's there's no rational argument to be made for forcing a person to do something like this but this again helps us to understand what's actually taking place my wife and i were talking about this over breakfast this morning that we don't do nearly what we should be doing to promote therapeutics instead we're making this be all end all an injection yes and something i thought was so interesting to me we were seeing the reports in the news that uh, the, the death rate versus this time last year has gone up by fourfold, which I think, you know, four times more hospitalizations and deaths if you believe the numbers, which is a stretch. Huh. But to me, I, I just thought this was really intriguing because this time last year we didn't have a vaccine and we had a different president. But now we have a different president and a vaccine, and so you would think that everything according to the common, you know, the wisdom that was there at the time Everything should be much better now, and it's actually the other way around. So it makes you wonder, well, so the vaccines can't be that great if they haven't been able to curb what's been going on as opposed to a year ago. Same virus, and yet here we're being told that, uh, that the people without vaccinations are the problem. Yep. Jimmy Kimmel, here's a headline. He says, unvaccinated people shouldn't be given ICU beds. And you've got people in Hollywood, you've got people... Uh, in uh, the the lamestream media, the Democrat media, and and big tech, uh, they're they're saying the same, similar things about those unvaccinated masses uh, and their thoughts on that. So we'll talk more about that with Chris Quintana in just a minute. Plus a great quote from David Brody, um, and some say on the left, Christian evangelicals are America's Taliban. We'll get into that. Plus, there are trying times for religious minorities in the Middle East and Afghanistan. More with Chris Quintana on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Stand Up For The Truth invites you to the 23rd Annual Great Lakes Prophecy Conference this September 10th, 11th, and 12th. This year's theme is The Perfect Storm. 
as we see the convergence of prophetic signs all around us and the swift destruction of our culture, it's clear that we are living in a time like no other. You will gain a greater understanding of the winds of change sweeping the world with Bible teacher Chris Quintana, Israel expert Jim Fletcher, Pastor Andy Woods, T.A. McMahon of the Berean Call, creationists Russ Miller and Jay Siegert, Tommy Ice, Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries, and via stream Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kanaohe, Hawaii. $35 per person for the entire event. Register today at cc.appleton.org. Our guest is Pastor Chris Quintana. He's in the car heading over to the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference, at least uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. It kicks off tomorrow afternoon, and it goes through Sunday morning. He'll be speaking tomorrow afternoon. I will be there. I'll have a table, and uh, come on and say hi. You can get info on our website, uh, standupforthetruth.com. Today's podcast post, we put the link to the uh, Perfect Storm, the Fall 2021 Great Lakes Prophecy Conference. So these two articles I teased right before that break, I'm going to just... Mention the article without getting into the details yet, but I'm just going to allow Chris to comment on just these articles. First of all, Jimmy Kimmel says unvaccinated people shouldn't be given ICU beds. And another article over at the Daily Wire, Christian evangelicals are America's Taliban. Actors, journalists equate American Christians to the Taliban. Chris, let her rip. Well, First of all, with Jimmy, you want to, you know, if he was standing there right in front of me, first of all, if people ever get any kind of information that they feel is somehow reliable from Jimmy Kimmel, you've got a problem. We're in trouble. But when I think of him saying something like that, I think, okay, so you don't mind giving uh, ICU beds to people with a vaccination. So they obviously occupy beds in ICUs, even though they've been vaccinated, but you want to somehow marginalize people because they don't have the distinction of having a jab put in their arm, but they still need the same treatment. But one should be denied and the other one shouldn't be. I mean, I know that we're trying to be really careful and charitable, but to make that kind of a statement, you just, you, you've demonstrated that you're an idiot. So, and then for Joy Reid, the idea of the, uh, of the Taliban and, uh, and Christians being equated to that, I would just like to ask Joy, when was the last time that you saw Christians put women in burqas and shoot them in the back of the head for being out in public or being raped? Yeah. Please help me understand this, Joy. Uh-huh. So I could give example after example, but these are people who Taliban hold to a, a very strict interpretation of Sharia found in the Quran. And it tells them that they can do everything that we watch them do on the television, but the the Christian doesn't have the right to do any such things. So she just says that for the sake of hyperbole. And yep. the sad part is that there are so many people that listen to that and not even just laugh at the absurdity of the statement. It's ridiculous that she makes such an absurd claim. Hey, Chris, we're getting a lot of clicking, almost like there's a short in a wire or something. I don't know what that is, but we're getting a lot of clicking and interference as you are talking. We do understand you, though. We can hear you. But just it's pretty it's a little distracting. But let me just uh, read a little bit about what Dr. Fauci says. Um, he says if hospital and I'm, I apologize because I we are not supposed to use profanity on this program. So I used the name Fauci. So I apologize. I repent. He, he said if hospitals get more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. So 
Here's the thing. We've had doctors on this podcast. We had Dr. Lee Merritt two weeks ago, one of our most popular podcasts of the year. And then we have, we've had pastors comment on this, Dr. Uh, J.B. Hicks and Dr. Andy Woods, and so many others talk about this. First of all, one of the, the protocols at the hospital, it seems like their go-to is, when in doubt, put someone on a ventilator and keep them in the ICU. I've had one person tell me, uh, more than one person tell me, they w- went through their situation with COVID in the hospital. They refused the the ventilator. In fact, uh, someone who interviewed me a couple months ago, Kate Daly, uh, she's a Mormon, but she's out of uh, uh, Fox News Radio in Utah. She said her husband had COVID. They, they insisted he go on a ventilator. They refused the ventilator. They were in the ICU. They also wanted to give him some other treatment. They said no, give him high doses of vitamin C and ivermectin. They, they had to literally fight, almost physically fight with these a hospital uh, staff and administrators because they were told what to do, get him on a ventilator. They refused the ventilator. He was out within uh, 48 hours. He was feeling back to normal and fine in three days. Somehow he got the high doses of vitamin C, the ivermectin, and a couple other things. But Chris Quintana, a lot of people are saying, well, the ICUs are full because they're using those numbers to tell the government or whoever else, the, the, whoever's pushing the vaccine, that, oh, my goodness, COVID is filling up the ICUs. So there may be some truth to that. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's not certainly it's not nationwide. Um, so if you have a, a hot spot here or there, I'd be curious to find out hospital by hospital how true that actually is. Yeah. One thing we know, the, the information that's been coming out of this has been nothing short of just embarrassing. Yep. I'll show some slides on this tomorrow about that very same thing. But when I when I hear those kinds of statements, once again, it is meant to make people incredibly fearful. But as you've mentioned, the, the one thing that we are not doing as public policy, and this is to blame CDC, National Institutes of Health, all the government sources that are setting policy, we're not doing anything about treating the symptoms or uh, treating the actual underlying disease. We're only dealing with symptoms. So they're not doing anything to attack the virus. And so when you find out that people are actually doing that, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, the, the uh, monoclonal antibody treatments like Regeneron and those kind of things, yes. anybody who wants to, if they're not familiar, look at what Joe Rogan did when he contracted it. And within four days, it wasn't even present in his system any longer. Wow. So... Um, very interesting. He'll tell you exactly what his protocols were. He got it, felt horrible the first day, took Regeneron, took all the vitamin supplements, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and uh, zithromycin. And so he just went at it and attacked the virus, and the virus could not withstand that assault. Never would have happened if they had done the normal protocol that's happening in hospitals. Okay, because of this, uh, we've had so much information, misinformation from the beginning. But sadly, Chris, uh, people also took sides before, and, and some, uh, admittedly, before they were well-informed. They, they took a side on this issue. Probably some people, because President Trump said, uh, hey, uh, ivermectin's a good thing and it helps. Um, and that was just one thing, or about the vaccine. But because of this, we have another article, uh, no, no surprise, conservative trust in mainstream media drops to a new low. And I'm going, man, how can it get lower? Because, I mean, 
I, I think in the last 10 years, it's been down to like either 20 percent or 17 percent approval of the, the media. So it's pretty bad out there. Big tech is saying, oh, no, we're the fact checkers now. But it's interesting. This is probably another thing from your slide in 1984, because we've got the big tech media conglomerate that are saying, no, one view cannot be heard because we're the fact checkers and we say this is the truth. So, Chris, I'm sure you have your thoughts on that. Uh, Orwell called it the Ministry of Truth in his fiction. And so the Ministry of Truth was the people who put out public information. And man, again, the idea that social media would be able to, to govern the lives of so many people and they willfully go to that source, those sources, as their information. But again, you know, this, is, this just tells you where we are in time that people are so easily manipulated by fear and the things that you make them do uh, are really counterproductive. They're not helpful to, to the people who are consuming that information. It's it's bizarre to watch as you stand back from it. Um, and, and again, the things that could, could have made this whole thing turn, you know, a year ago, instead we were listening to the, quote, experts yeah. who kept telling us to do the same things over and over and over that didn't work the first time. And that's an Einstein quote, that, that the, that's the definition of insanity, is to do the same things over and over with the expectation of a different result. Chris, um, I, you've heard Trevor Loudon speak. Um, I've heard him, and, and it's just, he's just phenomenal uh, history and background. And um, he talks a lot about communism, socialism, and Marxism. And he's been warning, trying to warn Americans. He's from New Zealand, trying to warn Americans for decades. Most of us first heard of him in the uh, Curtis Bowers Agenda documentary, the Agenda series, Agenda 1, Agenda 2, but Trevor Loudon equates what's happening with this propaganda, this misinformation, these talking points that are put out. He equates it with communist policy, and I agree 100%. What we're seeing is communist policy in America from an administration that's more left than ever in our history, working with big tech, working with the, the public school system working with Hollywood and, and purveyors of information and putting out their propaganda, squelching, silencing, or censoring the opposition, those who disagree with them or have a different view. This is communist policy. Chris Quintana, can we say that any clearer or what else could you add? I was going to say, if you didn't mention the word propaganda, I would have dropped that in there, too. <laughs> they go arm in arm. Yeah. You can't implement policy unless you have people carrying water for you to tell everybody this is acceptable. And if it's not acceptable to you, you're the problem, not the policy. Mm. So and we've, we've watched that over and over and over historically. So we shouldn't be surprised by it. And, I, you know, people look up to romanticize the, you know, the the policies of, uh, of LBJ and of FDR because they cared about people, so Social Security and all the welfare state of the 60s, and yet look at what they're doing and, and look what they're turning into and how many people are literally dependent. If not for the government's existence, they have nothing. So I, I just have to laugh. It's, again, something I'll have tomorrow, but it was the 60s generation during the free speech in Berkeley said, don't trust anybody over 30, 
And those same people are now saying, trust us, because your very livelihood, it depends on whether or not you stay in our good graces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust us. Um, Irony. They're, yeah, they're the leaders now, those who... Anyway, let's go back to something. Um, um, I just want to give people some ammo from you uh, on how to respond to this idea of Christians being the bad guys at the source of all problems. We've got six minutes left in this uh, segment, and I want to just quote some people on what they're saying about those who are uh, Christian, evangelical, conservative, and this, uh, you know, they tried to play off the uh, the January 6th uh, events at the Capitol as uh, domestic terrorism by evangelicals and Christians and conservatives and Republicans. So MSNBC host Joy Reid, she said the Taliban— are as fanatical about their beliefs and culture as the millions of people right here in the U.S. who believe in religion, conspiracy theories, and alternate reality. Also, um, another quote came out, uh, a guy saying, uh, let's see, what's his name? Russ. I'm only getting the, name, the, the word Russ. Okay, Tim Russ. I guess he's an actor. What You know, Hollywood. Um, why do we care? We don't care. We know what th- they're just mostly uh, useful idiots and minions, but why do we care about what people in Hollywood say? Because they're influencing millions of others. That's why we care. He said the U.S. already has Sharia law, Christian Sharia law. There's no difference, he said. One religion forcing their beliefs and way of life on everyone else, which is against the First Amendment. That is exactly the same thing. And one more quote, author and freelance journalist, journalist Feminista Jones said, Always funny to me when Christians pretend their religion is somehow less oppressive of women than Islam. Uh, Chris, this is, I know you already talked about this, and, and said we, we don't hang homosexuals uh, in our country. Uh, we don't persecute, you know, women or minorities. And, and so these people not only are disingenuous or they're just ignorant of the truth and history. So how do you help people that are listening respond to these idiotic claims, uh, whether that be in person or on social media, the differences between re- true religious freedom, having influence, which Christians are to be salt and light, but we're not about forced submission and Islam actually means submission in its definition. So, Chris, share with us in the last four minutes here. Sure. And to me, that's always a simple pro- uh, proposition. And whether they're going to accept it or not is a different story. But I like to be able to say, okay, let me buy your premise, that there's no difference between how the Taliban deals with people versus how Christians deal with them. And I would say to that, um, go ahead and compare the two. Compare the, the belief of Islam versus the belief of Christianity. So tell me where um, it tells me that I have to defend God's honor by putting you to death. Because the Christian would be able to say, my God's big enough to handle his own business, and he doesn't ask me to put your life out because you've disrespected him. You'll have to answer to him directly. You don't have to answer to me. Amen. I want to throw those things back at them. Let's go ahead and play your premise. I want to go ahead and just, it's kind of that, that idea of let's take the momentum of the argument because they're not used to people working through it with them. So <laughs> exactly. Let's work through it. The same thing. If you want to call me a fundamentalist, great. Let's define the term and we'll see if I'll go ahead and accept it or just, you know, take your lame view of what it is. So 
it's good for us to push back factually, piece by piece, using what they what they say and what they use as the as the definition. So, Chris, the one that says um, the, the comparing Sharia law and saying in America we have Christian Sharia law. Now, this is what the LGBTQ has used rather effectively as an attack, saying you Christians want to force me to be something I am not. You want to force your morality on me. And so this person, this guy, this actor said, this is Sharia law. It's just Christians are enforcing it in America. Well, how do you respond to that? Sure, because I would want to say, okay, please show me on a public policy platform where that's taking place. Show me. Because I, I can definitely show you with the, the government that's starting to take shape in Afghanistan, yeah. your rights, what little there were to begin with, are going to be out the window absolutely. But what are we doing in public policy currently in this country run by evangelicals? <laughs> yeah, cough, cough. Where is that finding its way into the public domain? And if they want to point to Texas, I actually heard one person say, this is just the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which is the most ridiculous statement you could ever possibly make, because Roe versus Wade, before that came in, it was a state's rights issue. The overturning of Roe versus Wade still does allow people to do what they want to do if they want to move to a state that allows them to, with impunity, destroy the life of their child. You could still do that. And Texas has just passed a law that, that makes it more difficult than it is in some states. But the idea that that's somehow a Christian thing? Okay, mm. you know, how do you, how do you reason with people who don't even make rational, reason, reasonable uh, statements? This is the challenge. This is the challenge. You asked a very good question. How do you reason with these people? Um, so, so many of them do not want to um, face reality or truth. They come at it from a completely different angle. They are really brainwashed, a lot of them. Uh, but anyway, that's for another topic. When we come back, uh, a provocative quote from David Brody that just went nuts on social media, which I agree with, and then trying times for religious minorities in the Middle East on Stand Up For The Truth. We're with Pastor Chris Quintana, and he's going to be speaking at the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference tomorrow afternoon. Um, I've got a quote I want to get his take on because it's just powerful. Uh, it went nuts on social media. I've shared it on my Facebook. Hundreds of people liked it and, and shared it. And I know that's not millions like you get some. But um, David Brody over at CBN, he said, um, our culture is completely upside down. Evil is called good and good is called evil. Now is not the time for Christians to shrink away from the fight just because they don't want to offend anybody. You must be bold and speak the truth. That's the most loving thing you could do. Chris Quintana, a lot of believers say, no, speaking the truth, uh, it's if, especially the hard truth, especially talking about cultural issues, social issues, politics, that's not really loving. That's either political or that's unnecessary. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, without knowing them and just using the generalization, those are the words of a coward. They just don't want to engage. And, and there's no wonder that the, the church is taking it on the chin because it's dominated by people with that view. Yeah. So, unfortunately, um, if you're going to say, I'm not going to say what, what should be said, then you're saying, I'm going to cede this ground then to the enemy. 
And yeah, do I think that the culture is the enemy of the church? Absolutely. Is that some provocative thing? No, it's biblical. Hmm. So the same thing about him that, you, you know, telling the truth is an act of love. That's, that's just obvious. And the fact that you would do that and that it would be offensive, this is what Paul told Corinth. He said the preaching of the cross is an offense to those who perish. Amen. So if you're going hmm. to speak the truth, you're going to get to the gospel. You're going to get to what's acceptable conduct for the person who professes to be a believer. It's going to address matters going on in the culture. You know, uh, the, the, the idea that you wouldn't say those things means that you are willfully censoring yourself. Mm. And you either do that because you're afraid or you don't even believe what you profess to believe. Mm. Uh, how would you respond to someone who might say, and a lot of believers are like this, they'll say, well, yeah, I agree with you, but it's not appropriate to talk about those things on a Sunday morning like during a sermon. What are your thoughts on that? Show me chapter and verse. <laughs> that, that's what I always say to them. Because if it's if it's in the text and you're not trying, trying to make it say something that's not there, if it's in the text and there's the big assumption that the church is actually dealing with the text and not just philosophy and everything else, if they're dealing with the text, the text is going to get into these kinds of matters. Mm. So yes. you know, when people call themselves Christians, um, we need to remember this. The, the term Christian just very simply, literally means Christ-like. So what we would want to ask ourselves was Jesus one who was willing to take on the prevailing culture of the time, or Paul for that matter. We all know the answer to the question. It's not any kind of a mystery. So the idea that we're going to somehow, as I said before, self-censor because somehow we think that that's the best way to not offend the culture well, then you've just made sure that the culture will perish without feeling offended, but you will have never given them the truth. Hmm. Amen. I also like this quote from uh, Casting Crowns uh, lead singer Mark Hall. He said, when we love, we have the right to speak the truth. And, um, and we can debate on what love is and what being loving. Now, it says speak the truth in love, but nonetheless, don't, don't apologize and don't back down. Speak the truth. Uh, before I get to our last topic for today, uh, what I think is going to be the last topic for today, I want to mention tomorrow morning, um, I forgot to mention this yesterday, the Visible Church is going to host a women's ministry meeting. Remember last Friday we had uh, guest Sarah Christensen in studio Frontline Harvest Ministries out of Green Bay. Well, they're having a women's ministry meeting tomorrow, uh, tomorrow 6.30 p.m. at Visible Church. And if any questions, you can go to Frontline Harvest Ministries and or contact Sarah, and you can get her podcast from last week. Okay, um, Chris, now there are times are changing for those who have enjoyed some uh, freedom and maybe even uh, religious freedom for as far as minorities in the Middle East because of what happened. The American botched pullout of Afghanistan. Um, now we are seeing a lot of oppression we are seeing uh, women being discriminated against. We are seeing minorities. Um, we are seeing people being killed. And the, the stories go on and on and on, of course, always ignored by the mainstream media. But uh, Josh, Joshua Youssef with Help the Persecuted, he's uh, one of several groups that has remained in Afghanistan to help Christians flee uh, the Taliban. He says, we have about 150 staff in Afghanistan that are currently assisting the transition and evacuation, trying to get minority Christians out, uh, he told American Family News. He says, 
it's estimated that there could be up to 40,000 convert Christians in Afghanistan. Now you're going, wait a minute. Biden said there's 100 people, 100 Christians. Well, these are people who have been converted, people who are Afghanistan uh, people. Now he's, he's been there. He said he's in Afghanistan and uh, he's been working to try to help people out. So Joshua Youssef is the name. Uh, this is over at AFN.net. Chris, your thoughts about just the sad state. There, there are going to be uh, trying times. There's going to be increased persecution. And whatever you'd like to share about um, the good and the bad of the American uh, pullout, of uh, the Biden administration uh, pullout of uh, troops in Afghanistan and how there's still people over there wanting to get out. Yeah, and this is a, a, a frustrating thing because the the disinformation coming out of the uh, out of the administration is is to me it's criminal. Yeah. So the idea that we have now turned the page in this country to where we are now willing to leave people behind is is nothing short of embarrassing for the country. Now, sad part is we are now in a place where. Uh, we not only have our own citizens there, but the people like you mentioned there, too. People that we promised that we would take care of that yeah. now we are abandoning. So, I, you know, this is one of those things where you would love to say, okay, Joy Reid, since you're able to say all the stuff that you say with nobody pushing back, please explain to me how the, the Christians are the Taliban when you've got that going on. So the very same people that she equates us to being are the ones who are oppressing the entirety of the, the population. But more importantly, they are looking to kill and eradicate Christians. So, you know, her all of her hyperbole just makes her look like a fool. Hmm. Uh, it's so sad. Um, what you said at, at the beginning of your comments, Chris, um, it should be criminal that the media is behind this, what, what we might call propaganda. They're hiding some of the facts. They're holding back the facts and some truth. They are minimizing the number of Americans and Afghans who want to leave. I wouldn't imagine many Christians, whether they are American or Afghans, I wouldn't imagine a lot of them are content to stay in Afghanistan or in that area uh, much longer after what just happened. But the Biden administration, oh, they, they see it differently. So, Chris, yes, because of the media, who is the uh, Democrat-controlled, and uh, they've been on their side for years, as we know. Um, they're putting this out there, and the, the American public is generally not getting the whole truth. That's frustrating that you've got to hear from um, Samaritan's Purse or Help the Persecuted or Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs or so many others who actually have people inside, people over there saying, I don't know what you guys are hearing in the media, but it really is not the full story. Uh, Chris, we've got about five or six more minutes left if you want to touch on anything else about this topic. Yeah, because, you know, I think any of us looking at this, I, again, Biden has his defenders that are basically saying, you know, this is, uh, this is really only uh, Biden following through with, uh, with the Trump era agreement with the Taliban and all the rest of that. You pretty much want to just say, if you're going to make that case, you just need to really grow up, because ultimately, these are the same people that had no problems erasing his border policy, 
his Keystone Pipeline policy, on and on and on and on. Hmm. So the idea that he was only doing what Trump had already put in place is just being dishonest with the facts. Also, the, the way that it was implemented, whether you agree with the policy or not, the way that it was done has really led to this kind of a crisis. Mm-hmm. Because what, if you look at what Trump had proposed to do, we're going to get out because we want to be done with this war. But we're going to go out on our terms, and our terms are we're going to hold on to Bagram, we're going to hold on to a few different places until we are satisfied that everybody is let out. And the Taliban was not going to be the sole power that was supposed to be a power sharing in the government. And mm-hmm. if that baseline wasn't met, we weren't going anywhere. That is light years different from what we now have. Yeah. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that what we have is a complete disaster and a debacle. But unfortunately, it's, it's more than just policy. People's lives are being lost every single day. Yes. They're being put to death by the Taliban. And we're not hearing about it. That's by design. Um, mm-hmm. our, our media will continue this this complicit cover up, and um, more people are going. That's why there's such a low approval rating of uh, the media. Seven was it was seventeen, twelve percent. I don't remember what it was, but it's pretty bad. And as rightly so, it should be. Um, now onto a positive story here. If we can end, we've got three more minutes. Um, there are some people pushing back against. This gender surrender, uh, this gender agenda in America, which is really God didn't create them male and female, and I can be whatever I want to be. Um, it's unethical and dangerous. And there's good news in this one story, Chris. 3,000 medical professionals in Tennessee have filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration for their transgender mandate, meaning that uh, you, you have to do surgeries on whoever wants to come in, whether they have parental ap- consent or not, or approval, or whatever the age, you have to do these body mutilating surgeries. So, Chris, there's some good news. There's a lot of pushback. Hopefully there will be more. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's just common sense. So I don't care how much you mutilate a body. Take a look at, uh, at Bruce Jenner. Um, I don't care how you feel about the the whole thing and with all of the, the surgeries he's had run his DNA. He comes back as a male. Yeah. So the idea that we're somehow classifying it differently means that it's a matter of psychology and not biology. You know, and if that sounds unloving and uncaring, it's just a statement of fact. Yeah. And the caring, loving part of us would say, God created you the way that you're created. If you have a problem with that, it's not a matter of your DNA it's a matter of your perception. And if you realized your value to him, you would you would understand what it is to accept the way that you have been made and embrace him. Uh, this is interesting, Chris Quintana, because we have come full, full circle now in this podcast back to the very beginning where there's a problem with the church and pastors not teaching the whole counsel of God and many not addressing these cultural issues because, as we said earlier, Barna and uh, the uh, Center for Biblical Worldview, just 6% of the adult population actually has a biblical worldview. So the truths of creation, the basics of creation, marriage, family, gender, and on and on and on, uh, sexual morality, they have not been taught, perhaps touched on, but I think by most pastors, maybe avoided because... Uh, people don't like to hear that. We've now come full circle. And I'll let you wrap up in one minute left. 
the fact that uh, we have to do better work in the church of equipping the saints and discipling. Yeah, and I think that this is a two-way street. The pastors need to to really kind of um, get a backbone and say what needs to be said based upon the Scripture. Pastors should be Bible teachers. They shouldn't be people who use a verse here and a verse there as a springboard to wax eloquently and philosophically. Mm. The people sitting in the pews, if they are sitting in a church that does not teach them the Scripture, they are wasting their time, and they should look for another place that does. And I will end with this by saying Ephesians chapter 4, what's it, verse 11 and 12, it talks about what he has given to the church, and that's evangelists, apostles, and prophets. Amen. Most of their work was done outside the doors. Pastors and teachers were equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So if your church is focused on evangel- uh, evangelical messages in the church, it's not a church. You're an evangelistic outreach. Mm-hmm. The people should be in the church already saved, and they're equipped based upon the Word of God for the world that awaits mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Chris Quintana, he's going to be speaking tomorrow afternoon. Calvary Chapel, Appleton, the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference called The Perfect Storm. And you can get info in today's podcast post, standupforthetruth.com, or go to ccappleton.org. And we'll let you know who tomorrow's in-studio guest will be as soon as we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth invites you to the 23rd Annual Great Lakes Prophecy Conference this September 10th, 11th, and 12th. This year's theme is The Perfect Storm. As we see the convergence of prophetic signs all around us and the swift destruction of our culture, it's clear that we are living in a time like no other. You will gain a greater understanding of the winds of change sweeping the world with Bible teacher Chris Quintana. Israel expert Jim Fletcher, Pastor Andy Woods, T.A. McMahon of the Berean Call, creationists Russ Miller and Jay Siegert, Tommy Ice, Elijah Abraham of Living Oasis Ministries, and via stream, Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kanaohe, Hawaii. $35 per person for the entire event. Register today at cc.appleton.org. I want to direct you to a new source. You know, we've got our resources at StandUpForTheTruth.com. 200 resources you can trust. There's another one now called AFN. It's American Family News, and we'll have to get that in our 200 resources. Tomorrow, we are blessed to have Dr. and Pastor Andy Woods in studio. That's right. We'll have his pastor's point of view live, and he'll be at the Prophecy Conference. I believe he uh, speaks on Saturday And we'll have that link, of course, in today's podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.